Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're beginning our... Jamie, Jamie, hold up. This episode has to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Has to be great. (laughs) Oh, you moved a different reference. Uh, so the for the really nerdy nerds though that we are both making references to the fifth element there. That's uh, why it's going to be super green. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we are doing the fifth element, the 1997 classic. Is it a classic? Uh, totally, it's a cult classic at least. There you go. Uh, Luke Besson, uh directed, written, and produced by this was his baby. Um, the fifth element. Uh, all right, guys. Now, Sammy revealed something. Um, I'm not sure to his credit before we started recording. <laughs> he, he's a latecomer to the fifth element. So, yes, I am. Sammy, what, what did you think coming to it this late in the game? So, you know, watching it for the show tonight was only the second time that I have oh. seen this movie. Uh, the first time was October 2019. <laughs> Um, that I sit down and finally watch this. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. You know, I don't know why this missed my, you know, my sweet spot back at this time in 97. You know, I had been a Bruce Willis fan for a long time since Moonlighting. So, um, you know, and then obviously, you know, the Christmas classic Die Hard. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that I don't know why I missed it, but uh, I did. And I really, really enjoyed it, actually. It seems like it's just right in your wheelhouse. Like, I'm surprised oh, it's it by you. What well, is uh, the, the Flash uh, Gordon and the uh-huh. Hulk special? I mean, this is exactly <laughs> that kind of cheesy, over the top, crazy sci fi, Sammy. Oh, and as, as we go through my fans, that's the type of things I picked out. So just be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, as uh, Sam had referenced a little bit there, this movie, and Jamie said it was kind of a cult classic. This movie, I did a little bit of research. Ninety-three million uh, box office, so really not a big hit in '97. I don't recall, you know, seeing any advertisements or anything for this movie. It's one of those movies I kind of picked up at Walmart, uh, you know, being a cable cutter, just looking for some interesting uh, viewing. And I'll tell you, I found it in this movie. And uh, Jamie, uh, we were discussing at one point about what. Uh, you know, version of the DVD you had because apparently there's a couple out there. There's the original, the director's cut. And I have the ultimate version, uh, mm. the ultimate release. Yeah, I did some research on that. I, I think there's extra deleted scenes that were mentioned on IMDb that I think were, were confusing. I'm not sure there's different cuts, but there's different versions of releases. And so I think that may have been what was being referenced that confused me on that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was raised by one of the biggest Bruce Willis fans in the world. Um, my dad loves the Bruce. And so <laughs> if, if John McClane was in it, we were watching it. So uh, <laughs> so I, I was an early adopter of the Fifth Element, and um, I, I love this movie. It's big, and it's dumb, and it's loud, and it's bright, and it's obnoxious in some ways, but I love it. I mean, it's just it's, – it's a fabulous movie. And then on top of the Bruce, you get Ian Holm and Gary Oldman also. So, I mean, yeah. it's just like fantastic cast there. Yeah, yeah, well, speaking of the cast, you know, it's like you guys were referring, this movie is thick throughout. Uh, a lot of uh, British uh, guys that you see on the BBC and some of these British TV shows all through uh, here. And uh, I'm, I'm so – I don't know if I should be glad or concerned that in the future half of the Earth's population will be supermodels. <laughs> well, there's a lot of plastic surgery going on in the future there was a lot of amphetamines on the set uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there was there was a quite a bit going on there but yeah uh, you know this movie designed by jean-paul gautier uh, the uh, the fashion designer. So uh, between Luc Besson, uh, you know, in the French fashion scene, and uh, Jean Paul Gaultier, and the diva being played by Maiwen, who is uh, Jean Luc Besson's wife. 
Was. They was. was. Yeah, okay, was. <laughs> Very was. I, I didn't do that much research. <laughs> Just research 97 uh, era here. Uh, you know, they, they really pulled from that fashion scene and uh, – Aside from just being a visually stunning movie with the set design, which it was nominated and won some awards for, uh, the the actors, even the ones who aren't, uh, you know, models, are very visually interesting, and they really toy with the visuals here. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, that's that's some opening thoughts. Um, how about some grades? And on our show, we don't be we're not pretentious. We're not fancy. We don't pretend to like do this elaborate system that nobody can follow or understand. We just give out old fashioned grades that everybody understands. That's right. A to S. All right, Dwayne, what's your grade for the Fifth Element? It's not a perfect movie, but I love it perfectly. It's an A plus. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, saving. Like it. Uh, I just went with an A, um, not because I didn't love it, you know, but just you know, like I said, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, there are a few things we'll talk about in my my pans that that maybe pulled it down from A plus, but uh, you know, but A definitely. Um, I went with an A minus. Um, I love this movie, just unabashed. I love it. But there are some some things in this movie that are so profoundly stupid that I couldn't go above an A minus on it. <laughs> well, this this is a, a a first, I believe. We have the full range of A's. Yes, we do. <laughs> we may have to look at we have a A plus, A and A minus, uh, respectively, uh, there for myself, Sammy and Jamie. Oh. So, uh, I, I guess you could definitely say that this is a killer movie. It's oh, very yeah. enjoyable. It's very comedic. It's very much in the sci-fi vein. It's very visually interesting, and it's action-packed. And if you haven't seen it yet, it is worth your time. You can track Definitely. it down easy. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. I had a copy, so I didn't even look. Um, and it's just it's worth your time. It is so much fun. Um, there there are plot details that Luke Besson doesn't care about. That I mean, <laughs> it just. You know, but the movie itself just is it's kind of it's kind of like a ride you go on, and it's just a blast. It's worth your time if you haven't seen it yet. Definitely, of the world. That's right. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll give out some uh, some fans. Let's do it. All right, Dwayne, this was your choice. I seconded the motion really hard, but it was your choice. <laughs> What's your first fan? Uh, well, my first fan uh, is something I've already spoken about, uh, and it's very important to me with movies, is the visuals. Uh, this movie probably has one of the most unique visions of the future, um, how everything is kind of corporate how New York has grown so far up off the ground. You have this the, the, the smog layer, you know, that Willis hides his cabin, uh, you know, and his apartment, everything is modular, self-contained, uh, like a, almost like a shipping container, you know, inside. And, and you know, he, he wakes up in the morning, the first thing he sees is a sign, keep clear. He says, hey, I'm trying. You know, and you know and it just the movie goes from there it's so visually arresting i agree that oh. was on my list too um and i i like the even the clothes the way the clothes look i mean they're recognizable like they're wearing shirts and they're wearing pants and jackets but they're all very unique i mean they yeah um you kind of wonder like i wonder like okay how does because like fashion you know evolves and changes like how do we get to bruce willis's weird shoulder shoulder pads though like how does that happen and I mean, just, <laughs> well you know everything just, comes full circle as we're seeing now i, I noticed recently the mullets coming back so uh, i uh, yeah I, i've seen that on quite a few people the mullets yeah. coming back you know and i know we had uh, you know kind of the, the bohemian thing happening here recently and the, the hippie stuff you know everything kind of comes full circle so you know, there's there is a lot of '80s and '90s elements in this movie. You know, with the shoulder pads, the makeup, the the plastic dresses, uh, you know, the the, the rubber 
uh, suspender bikini that um, <laughs> Lulu's wearing, whatever that is. Um, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, but and, everything and was quirky. It, yeah, everything was very quirky. You know, even as far as you know, like the the president's uh, uniform, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he he wasn't necessarily wearing a tie, a suit and tie. I mean, uh, the the military, everything was very stylized. Yeah. Well, you know, both of you guys talked about the designs, and that that was on my list of fans also, is just the design of this movie. You know, Dwayne mentioned that, you know, Jean-Paul Gaultier did a lot of the costumes. You know, a lot of set designs and stuff were actually, here's where I'm going to butcher names, so I'll go ahead and apologize, uh, were um, designed by Jean-Claude Messier, who did Valerian. Oui, oui. Who did Valerian. uh, And uh, Jean Girard, or sometimes as comic book people know him more as Mobius, also did some of the designs for this mm. and even seeing Mobius's name for me automatically drew me into the movie because there's a silver surfer story by Stan Lee that Mobius draws that I've always loved. Um, and so just that, that the design, I mean, some of it, you said, like you said, looked a little janky at times, but it just worked. And that was part of its charm. Yeah. And both of those, uh, both those comic book artists, sued Luke Masson after this movie was released. <laughs> <laughs> they were not compensated or credited enough for their satisfaction. Well, they did a great job. They deserved it. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, as Sam mentioned, uh, you know, Valeria in the City of a Thousand Planets that uh, Jamie and I had reviewed last yearish, kind of, uh, pretty early Second on episode. in our podcasting. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was... Uh, almost a predecessor or, or a sequel to this movie it kind of fits in the same universe uh, almost uh, very similar designs yeah he um he says it's not a sequel to the fifth element or a prequel or anything like that but uh he he's i think he sort of challenged weta who did all the special effects for valerian to mm-hmm. hide fifth element easter eggs all throughout valerian okay uh, well, to me, they're very visuals, very visually similar. They're very different movies. Uh, I know v- Valerian suffers a lot from story and plot, uh, but they're very, they're both very visually arresting movies. <coughs> Casting too. <coughs> <laughs> well, I will admit, gentlemen, I've never seen Valerian either. So, <laughs> even though I listened to you guys review it, and that might be what's keeping me from watching it. Maybe what's keeping you from watching it. <laughs> Well, Sam, kind of, we suffer so our fans don't have to. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of cough mentioned my first fans. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and jump on it. The go cast of this movie. And I was leaning toward mentioning one name or another, but I don't think you can you know, pull them apart. I think this cast, they're all, everyone is so good in their individual roles, but the chemistry they all have together. Uh, elevates everything in the script. I mean, the way that Bruce Willis and Chris Tucker work together on the screen doesn't actually make sense. Like, <laughs> if there was like a mathematical formula to like, it shouldn't work, but it does. And um, and Bruce Willis with Mia Jovovich, um, they're so good together. I mean, it's just and the whole thing, even even the uh, even Bilbo Baggins there, he's so good. Everybody is so well cast. And they all interact so well together that it's like this weird al- alchemical reaction that happens. It's just magical. Well, you know, uh, that is uh, one other of my fans is the cast. You know, and, and just like Jamie was mentioning, you have Bruce Willis, Ian Holm, Mila Jovovich, uh, Tiny Zeus Lester, <laughs> yeah. Chris Tucker. the president. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I love that, and it's such a and and you know, there's so many other faces that you see that you yeah. know from so many other movies, Luke especially Perry. yeah, Luke Perry at the beginning, yeah, um, um, Aziz, more light. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there is so much chemistry in this movie that you can just, I mean, Gary Oldman just devouring. Every scene that he's in, you know, he's just so intense with his plastic cat and, um, you know, his funky mohawk and uh, intensity there, even though he's kind of a janky, hickey, over-the-top character, you know, sir, I was thinking we could fire 500000 from, you know, one of the smaller cab companies, fire a million. <laughs> what, I, what I think okay, is crazy sir, is... You know, as, oh, Gary Oldman hates this movie, and he hates oh this role. He hates God. his performance. He can't wow. watch it. 
He only did it because he owed Luke Besson a favor for helping like fund one of his indie movies that he wanted to, like, to write direct. <laughs> I mean, well, I hope one day. He's here. Well, I hope one day I make a movie that I can have Gary Oldman hate being in <laughs> and still deliver that awesome yeah. of a role. I mean, exactly. I mean, oh well, he my was, goodness! And he was all in. Like him and Chris Tucker were both just all in. I mean, every every ounce of Chris Tucker's body was all in on this movie. I mean, just. And I know a lot of people were uh, at times rumoring that this was one of Chris Tucker's first movies. Uh, I, I kind of dug on his IMDb a little bit. This was probably his fifth movie, but one of his only second or third major roles. I think just before this, he was smoky in, fr- in a Friday with Ice Cube, and Tiny Zeus Lester being Debo. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you've seen Friday, it's a phenomenal movie. <laughs> Completely different character for Chris Tucker. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like he was like the fourth or fifth option. Like they can't, they Chris Tucker's in this movie by accident. Like he's not who they wanted. Um, and like they were, it was supposed to, like Prince was like up until the last second it was supposed to be Prince. And then they then he pulled out and they they tried to get Michael Jackson. And there was like this list of like, and they I like, had to settle for Chris Tucker. And he gives like the performance that steals the whole movie. The performance of his lifetime. I mean, truly. Yeah. I mean, this is better than Rush Hour for him. And we understand all the words that are coming out of his mouth. <laughs> Sammy, what say you? What say you uh, for some fans? All right. Uh, another fan of mine. So, you know, my first fan that I talked about was the design of the movie. The second is just the story itself. You know, I think it's this interesting mix of science fiction elements with this ancient cultural belief in, in you know, the elements, you know, and fire and wind and earth and, and all of this. And so it has this, these two sometimes that, that I think diametrically opposed ideas, the historical cultural versus the science fiction and the way they work them in. So for me, this, this felt so Douglas Adams for me, this was so hitchhikers uh, as I was watching it, I just kept thinking, man, the design of these costumes, I can't say the name of, of that race that we were discussing before, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the guys that, that looked like, you know, the, the Mighty Ducks cartoon when they were all armored up. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, that looked like something out of a Douglas Adams story. And, and that, that part of it, I just, I loved yeah, that's true. The uh, the dialogue, the the visuals, uh, you know, even though you're seeing them here with Adams, you would have to imagine them, uh, you know, with it being primarily radio or text. Uh, yeah, but yeah, the visuals and the dialogue are very Adams-esque. And it the, really uh, is. Yeah, there, yeah. I, I had drawn that line, Sammy. Thank you for drawing that. And the race that you're speaking of, um, I'm going to take a shot at probably having the worst <laughs> – the worst speaking voice on the podcast, uh, Jamie being a, a, a trained orator, Sammy being a teacher. Uh, here, I, here I deliver equipment for a living. Uh, the Mandashawan. Mandashawan. All righty. Since you've given it a try, I will refer to them henceforth as the Turtle Aliens. <laughs> they're the, they're the uh, Volkswagen Turtle Aliens. Are they? Are they German? There you go. I don't Volkswagen. know. I'm going to jump on that Douglas Adams thing, though. I hadn't connected that, but if, if Douglas Adams had been French instead of British, he would have written The Fifth Element. Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean that's exactly – you're exactly right. Well, what, what made me think about it? They, there is a production of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that played on PBS when I was a kid, and I never saw it in its entirety. I can watch it now. It streams on BritBox and a couple other places, but um, – the, just the design of that, the way they took Adam's work and and kind of brought it into this television series. I can't remember it's nine, ten parts, something to that effect. And uh, uh, is it the uh, the BBC one with the? Yes. Uh, it, it starts off with the uh, Eagles instrumental, "Flight of the Wizard" or something like that. I believe so. That yeah. might be the one. Yeah, with uh, kind of but, kind of the banjoy inter- introduction. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, but uh, it's like I said, it just really hit me as very Douglas Adams. Very perceptive. Thank you. All right. All right. <laughs> Dwayne, back, back to you. Uh, what, what was your another, another fan? What's another fan you have? Uh, another fan uh, is the, the way the uh, action 
was orchestrated in this movie. Uh, every beat of action means something, and uh, you know, even with the uh, upper house fight, you know, when when the beat starts dropping and. Lilu is kicking the the Mangalore's butts, and it's she's doing it with the beat and the and the hits. But it's so up by the numbers, the sci-fi. You know, you have the you have the, the car chase. Well, if they don't chase you after a mile, they don't chase you. So <laughs> maybe maybe it's two miles. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know that and uh, the. Just every little action beat there is so, so perfect. And Chris Tucker's over-the-topness during the, you know, here, here, hold this gun on his head. What do I do if he moves? <laughs> squeeze the trigger. <laughs> you know? It's going to be okay. Ruby Rod. <laughs> yeah, but just yeah. the no, action no. is so perfect in this movie. That was almost on my fan list, except for one little thing that annoys me. That the fight with the um, oh, they look like the the bulldog alien guys. I forget what you got, Mangalores? Is that what they call Mangalores? Okay, those guys. Um, (laughs) They're like during that fight scene, they'd have like five of them just standing around watching. I'm like. Maybe more than one of you at a time can fight the perfect being, the living weapon thing. Maybe more than one of you should try this at a time. And they're just like, Sammy, they look bored. Sammy, apparently Jamie's never seen a kung fu movie. <laughs> <laughs> y'all can, y'all, y'all all gonna take me on? Okay, as long as y'all take me on one at a time. <laughs> I love the Chinese connection as much as the next guy, but that's a flaw in that movie too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you know, and that you you'll see that in, in most any yeah. action movie. But uh, yeah, as as Chris Tucker described them, they they the big foreheads are ugly and they stink, <laughs> and the general no, immediately no, no. no, no, they stink. They stink. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sammy, back to you. All right, uh, you know, Dwayne kind of hit on on my my final fan there. Actually, my third fan. Um, you know, the the way that music and sound is used in this movie, along with the pictures, the way that it was edited together, um, it's just it's just really almost artistic. Uh, the the opera fight is is the one that really jumps out at me. You know, as this the operatic performance is going, Lila is Lilu is fighting. You know, the Mangalores, and you've got this combination, like I said, of sound and action and music, and it's just like I said, it, it almost becomes this artistic dance. And like I said, it was just beautiful to watch, really. And you have the blend of opera, electronic, and mm-hmm. you know, kind of beat music. Uh, that they blend there, and you think it's going to start off as a pure opera because what they're in is a replica, you know, of the original opera house uh, with the with the acoustics and and yeah. but it's on this you know space age cruise ship. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I like the entire score, like the because um, it's not not a traditional score, and I just. It's just quirky. It's like you know, that's everything you make. Like all the all the musical cues are like these really interesting decisions. Uh, yeah, and and like I said, even the way that that each piece of the movie, you know, uh, the movements of the character, so to speak, if we're thinking about the scene where the plane's taking off, uh, but <laughs> you know, all of that stuff just it. it works so well and so seamless you know i, I have to give props to that whoever edited uh whether it be Basan or a group of people with him or whoever who put this thing together so classless yeah. but artfully done that's right, that's very, right. Very awesome. <laughs> yeah, this is probably one of the most one of the best edited movies this is french us. people <laughs> totally <laughs> this is french <laughs> yeah. tasteless but artfully done we we say Jamie, go ahead. I've got, I've got one left. Um, you, you guys stole some other ones. Um, my last one is just the humor of the movie. Um, too much, too much science fiction just takes itself too seriously. It's like deadly serious. And I, I love Arrival and Interstellar more than the next guy. I love those movies. Um, but there's just no humor. I mean, 
and this I, I love occasionally to have these kind of science fiction movies that just don't, they don't take themselves too serious and they're just willing to have fun like hey we're in space let's get weird you know and yeah. I, and I, I love that we have that and the sense of humor here is just great i love everything that chris tucker does every second he's on screen <laughs> i don't want him to leave um and uh, Lilu being crazy and over the top is just great. I mean, it, I mean, it's just the, hu- the sense of humor is perfect, and even the interactions between like the, with the pre- when they have the priest and the and Ruby Rod interacting, like that shouldn't work, and it's great. <laughs> great together, yeah. And it's just it's just so funny, and it's just such a rarity. We don't have enough of these. Yep, and you know they they blended that humor with my last fan uh, is the writing the the dialogue. Everything someone says is expanding upon the story. It's telling you what the fifth element is. It's telling you where this person came from, where they're going, what's happened. Well, maybe not every. I see some funny looks from Jamie there. <laughs> but, you know, the, the dialogue in this movie, I, I catch myself just being captivated and laughing all the time at stuff. So, uh that's that's enough of us waving some fans at this thing. So we're gonna throw some pans now. Let's, Let's go. For it. Uh, I want to go first because I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm flipping Dwayne's. <laughs> 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 there are things that Luke Besson clearly just did not care about. Like he does not care where the turtle aliens come from, why they have their thing on Earth, why they come back. Where the what the where the villains from? Why it's on a five thousand year schedule? He just does not care. Like why the stones work at all? He just could care less. Why why this thing that was this big turtle alien robot that had a hand lift got cloned into Mila Jovovich, which makes no sense. <laughs> he just doesn't care. And it's just there's, there's like a whole big swaths of things that he just doesn't care about. And I'm just like, I, how about a little something? <laughs> just, just a little bit. Give me just a little. I need a little nod. That's all I need. Now, see, that's 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 kind of where you have to go with some of these movies. And even Star Wars asked us to do this. They just dropped you into this universe, fully formed. Oh, here's Vader. What's Vader's deal? You know, he's just he's just coming in and taking over the spaceship. You know, here's the Millennium Falcon. Where's where's these where are these guys from? You know, they're just there. They just happen. They just work. Jamie, <laughs> you see, though, my first. My first worked. nerdy loves. My first nerdy loves were Tolkien and Frank Herbert. They explained <laughs> everything. Well, see, incredible first, amounts of detail, both linguistically, sociologically. Yeah. See, well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little bit about myself, so you'll know where I'm coming from. Uh, you know, with with the movies and music. My first uh, musical and movie loves were Star Wars and Kiss. <laughs> It all so, makes sense now. See, you can, it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be sustenance there. It's just good. Yeah, but I still gave her an A minus. I mean, those are things that annoy me. And, uh, and there's there's another one. I've got a whole other pan for one specific thing. <laughs> that right. drives me nuts. But uh, but yeah, I just I would have I liked a little bit more. But I still gave it an A minus. I still love this movie. So. All right, Sammy, what's your first thing? Okay, so I, I'm going to have to flip a little bit what both of you guys said for me. So remember, <laughs> I said this is the second time I've seen the movie. Now, once again, I'm seeing it from an adult perspective. Okay, we'll put adult in air quotes. But, um, but as we're thinking about this, sometimes for me, Chris Tucker was just so over the top. Shut your face. It, that it took me out of the movie, okay? It, it just was like, oh, man. And it's this thing I think sometimes with comedians, they think that being really loud is funny. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of my issue with Kevin Hart today uh, is just sometimes it's that being too loud, trying to be funny. You know, and, and I think Ruby Rob is a great character. Chris Tucker was great as that you know, kind of androgynous type of character, Um, you know, and I think it worked really well. But sometimes, like I said, he was just so loud and so over the top sometimes that I I know, like I said, I know you both both have praised him within this role. But but, but for me, I was just like, okay, back back it down, dial it down to 40, okay? Come on. (laughs) No, no, Ricky Rod needed to be 120. (laughs) 
<laughs> he needed to be. And, 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 and Sammy, I see what you're saying. Uh, you know, just being allowed for loudness sake is, is not what you want to do. Just being crazy for crazy sake. But, you know, that was his character. He was so full of himself. He had these right. guys around. And, and I'm finding myself being an apologist for this movie. <laughs> I know what he does. <laughs> you know, as he had these guys praising him all the time, you know, when he got done with the episode. How was it? Oh, it was so great. It was great. It was wonderful. It was so it was great. It was great. You know, and, you know, it, so these guys, do they get so full of themselves. And I think even as modern comedians today, they get so full of themselves. They just hear themselves speak. And that's it. Jamie, I think on Graphically Novel, you all call this inflating your pick, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think there might be some pick inflation going on. But. I've, I've, got a, I've got a helium tank back here. Right? We're going to inflate it and float it. When, when you hear Dwayne's voice go a little higher, you'll know. <laughs> No, but I, see, I, I, I disagree with you on this one, Sammy, because I, I think that, that character and that role are so ridiculous. If he doesn't go to the nth degree on it, right. then it, won't, it doesn't work. Right. So even if there are a few moments where it's a little much, it had to be too much because Ruby Rod is too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dwayne, do you have a fan? Do you, um, do you have I, any? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> The only pans I have is, is, uh, is, I guess, you know, just like Jamie said, with, with some of the writing choices, uh, you know, some of the actions that the characters did, some of the things just, just wasn't quite make a lot of sense in real world stuff, which, of course, this is science fiction placed in the future. You know, but like Mila Jovovich, uh, Lilu, when she, you know, was in the room uh, after she had, uh, you know, kicked all of the aliens' butts, and Gary Oldman comes in with the gun, and, you know, she tosses the the box at him. Why did why did she go and hide in the ventilation system? You know, and why did he have to shoot the ventilation system? He had the box. He had what he thought he wanted. You know, he thought it was in the box. He could have just left and got off the plane. You know, so you know, you know, there's there's small choices like that throughout here and there that don't make a lot of sense. There are a lot of plot holes with like, um, you know. Uh, Bruce Willis, you know, shoves the uh, the three officers in the refrigerator when, when she comes, <laughs> and you know, and and they they are apparently you know dead at one point, and then later they're there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not explain at all. Um, you know, of course, uh, you know his uh, shower has auto wash. Uh, you know, it's just odd little things like that. <laughs> you know, uh, love love some of the choices there, but you know, they're just they, they work in the movie. But when you think about them, you're like, okay, that's kind of you know. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and and of course, you know, just like Jamie said, some of the background wasn't there. You know, why was the evil on this five thousand year schedule? Why? Um, you know what? What was it? The purpose of coming to Earth to try to destroy it every five thousand years? I mean, <laughs> you know, I guess, I guess they had the kids to soccer that day. They were busy. You know, they had a, they had all had all the grocery shopping done. You know, it's, okay, so let's let's okay, we're we're free this afternoon. Let's go destroy the Earth in five thousand. Schedule's years. open. <laughs> Maybe they were putting a freeway in. Who knows? <laughs> There's, no, a, um, there's little holes there that are that are you know kind of annoying when you think about it, but that's you know this movie just keeps your mind so absorbed with the visuals and the soundscapes yeah. that you you really don't dwell. Yeah. But you but you I'm, I'm gonna go jump to my next pan because you've already alluded to it there. Um, my biggest pan and the one that drives me nuts is the villain. Um, so we've got and not Zorg. Zorg is fine. Um, I love Zorg. Gary is Oldman, it Mr. Shadow. Or it's Mr. Or the, yeah, the big planet thing. That's this force of nature until it makes a phone call. The phone <laughs> call kills me. I actually get physically angry at this movie when this mindless force of nature makes a phone call, waits on hold to talk to Zorg. And what so, was the deal with it? What was the deal with it like making them bleed from know. the forehead randomly? No, every every time I watch this movie, I try to find where the blood's coming from. It's just down his face. There's nothing yep. anywhere. There's a but guy the over fact- top with an oil can. 
but the fact that this mindless force of nature bent on just this, this it's just this you know elemental force makes a phone call that kills me <laughs> Yeah. I said I didn't want to be disturbed. Well, yeah, you said you didn't want to be disturbed. <laughs> Am I disturbing you? <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I can most of it. I can just roll with. Like, yep, that doesn't make sense. That's a leap in logic. That's cool. Whatever. Everything's awesome. It's still fun and exciting. Then the phone call happens, and I'm just <laughs> furious at that movie for about five minutes. All right, I'm done. Sammy, what's your next plan? Wait, <laughs> <laughs> over. Um, you know, I really only had one more, and it's it's not a huge deal, but, you know, we had mentioned, or Dwayne, I believe, had mentioned that, you know, the costumes in this were designed by Jean-Paul Gaultier, and, you know, with a French designer runway, you're expecting that kind of look, and, and obviously, in a movie, it's going to have a bunch of people who are super beautiful and things along these lines, you know, but they really over-sexualized, I think, all of the female costumes um, just to the point that, that it was almost pushing it for the sake of pushing it. Um, You know, I know Mila Jovovich is well known for going topless in almost every movie that, that she's ever been in. Uh, But it's just one of those things that though, just the costuming, it was beautiful, but I just think it was a little too much sometimes uh, just to be too out there. I think just for almost shock value. And to me, that was probably my, my second, like I said, not a huge Pam, but just one that I'm like, eh, we could have toned that down a little bit. and would have, wouldn't have changed this movie. You know, yeah, it wouldn't have hurt it a bit. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, it's, it's not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the story, so to speak. I know Jamie had mentioned, you know, how did this hand turn into this, you know, this beautiful lady? And, you know, we're, we're using different DNA material. You know, then these uh, than these Mundashawans, what I guess, you know, being on Earth, so you're going to get a different result. I don't know. Uh, just like I said, I'm, I've kind of turned into an apologist for this movie. <laughs> hey, that's why I'm chuckling. So, but that but that was my last pan. I, I agree with Sammy completely. And you think about the the level of humor that's in this movie. I would have loved to watch this movie with my kids. But there's about four or five scenes that didn't need to be in the movie, did not affect the plot, did not affect anything story-wise, even the feel of the movie. Um, And I just – I couldn't show it to them. Yeah, it's not family-friendly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this is probably the least family-friendly movie we've watched um, because of like five scenes. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Uh, Other than that, uh, if we could excise those things out, which would not affect the movie at all then it would have been one of the most family-friendly movies we've reviewed on the show. Yeah. It's just these weird, weird weird, little moments that we didn't need. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah, even the language, as far as it being a Chris Tucker, Bruce Willis movie, even the language isn't that bad. Not for a 90s movie. action movie. Yeah, not, for, no. not for 90s action <laughs> I mean, people are still smoking everywhere, you know? <laughs> yeah. Too quick. Yeah, that's my goal. In the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, are we ready to hang some awards on our virtual fireplace here? Oh, yeah, let's do it. So let's take a trip to Lightspeed. Graphically novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. Was that light speed skipping? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the Falcon may have taken a trip through the Fifth Element universe. So. <laughs> it's not everywhere else. Wayne, uh, uh, best performance. Who are you? Who are you going to gush about first? Oh my gosh, there are so many. You could just about throw a dart at the cast and get a best performance. Um. Uh, opposed to what Sammy said, I'm going to go Chris Tucker. <laughs> Just because his role was so over the top. He was so committed and he was so just out there. I, I'm, I'm going with him for best performance. I consider okay. him, but I went with Mila Jovovich. Um, I think that, I mean, this is the best performance of her career. I've seen her in a lot of other stuff. I mean, she's fine. She's a, 
solid actress. Mm-hmm. She's amazing in this movie. And to the point that that, that, garble, that gobbledygook she was speaking at the beginning, <laughs> that's, that's a language Luke Besson invented. And she learned it and became fluent in it. They would have whole conversations on set in that whatever that is. Um, and she just she just becomes Lilu in this movie. And she's so charismatic and charming. And she's just great. And you are not wrong. And she is, of course, the fifth element. That's right. That's right. Sammy, what say you? All right. I went with Gary Oldman in terms of best performance. Um, Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, just the name is extravagant as that. Um, you know, this guy, he felt so much like, almost like they were thinking about an anime character in his design. Um, he looks like he could have been in an episode of Robotech uh, or anything along those lines. And I just, I just, I think that Gary Oldman just pulled this off. You know, we've said before, you know, we've called him the chameleon. Uh, and even though I know that, that he did, I believe we talked about, he didn't like this role at all. Um, he just did so well. And it's just such an interesting performance. I have to go with Gary Oldman. It's my understanding though, that if you want to end an interview with Gary Oldman, you ask him about the fifth element. Like he's <laughs> Oh, wow. That's yeah. amazing. And I don't think any of those are anywhere near a wrong answer. I think I'll be no, a lot closer no. to being the right answer. And, uh, I, and I thought about Bruce Willis too. He's kind of doing, but he's just kind of just doing John McClane again. Yeah, but he really showed a little bit of heart in this movie, you know, yeah. with, uh, with with the love stuff and, and things. You really see his reactions uh, to some stuff being kind of unique. Uh, hold, hold up, hold up. Let's go to best scene then, because yeah. I want to go straight to what you're talking about, because I know where you're going. So just go ahead and give us your best scene. Okay, so you want me to lead off? Yeah, because I know what you're, you're going to say, I think. Okay, I think I'm well, going to back you up. Well, my best scene in this movie <laughs> is the opera house from beginning yes, to end uh, yep. of the battle. <laughs> three for three. <laughs> um, you know, from the minute the diva starts singing uh, until the last, you know, until they take off on the show. Yep. Uh, you, know, you have the the heart wrenching operatic. You know, you have the the hurt of of Lilu. You have the the bomb. You know, this is can't be a bomb. These hotels have bomb detectors, you know. <laughs> and, and you have another bomb and you have, you know, the, the explosions, the shooting, you know, don't move, you know, uh, and he shoots around, you know, uh, Ruby Rod and he falls through. Yeah, the the opera house from beginning to end is probably I could watch that and just be done. Yeah. I've got that almost exactly in my notes. I've got that exactly what you just said. I mean, just from beginning to end. And when you're talking about Bruce Willis able to give a good performance, that's what I'm thinking of. His his response to the opera. That's some real acting going on. The way he looks moved and really touched yes. by that's yeah. not just John McClane for that scene. That's something else there. That's yeah, that's just some real acting chops. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, and you see his reactions when they bring out the different guns, when they're blowing him out from behind the bar, and, you know, when he's asking, uh, uh, you know, Ray to pass him the gun, <laughs> the pool, you know, the billiard balls, yeah. and uh, you know, and Sammy, Sammy, <laughs> where did he learn to negotiate? <laughs> So, Sammy, what is best character? Uh, you know, best character for me uh, was Corbin Dallas. Uh, you know, I know, like you said, Bruce Willis is kind of playing uh, John McClane in some of these scenes, but he does this reluctant hero so well. You know, the, the way that, that he plays Dallas, he's smooth, he's funny, he's, you know, he has this comedic side, you know, but there's also this confidence um, and like I said, he doesn't want to be the hero. He just kind of gets thrown in the middle of this. Um, and, and especially the interaction with his mother um, makes me laugh so hard. Uh, so, but so, so he's definitely my best character. Okay. Um, you, almost, you almost taught me to change in my vote. That was a really good defeat. That was a good pitch, <laughs> that was a good pitch Sam. It really was. I, I went with Lilu. I, I loved Lilo in this movie. Um, I think as a as a father of daughters, 
now that whenever I see like a vulnerable young woman, I just get super protective. <laughs> just really yeah. want things to go well for them, you know. And I just yeah. um, so I think even even more now as an older guy watching this movie, I just want to like you know get a gun mm-hmm. and help Corbin Dallas protect her. You know, yeah, you want to make her okay. Yeah. 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 And uh, but she is just such a great performance and such an interesting character. We don't know enough about her, <laughs> but or how she came to be. Um, but it's just she's just a fascinating character. And um, man, Sammy had such a better answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit uh, a little bit off the main track there. Uh, a really a character I truly enjoyed uh, was Ian Holmes Priest Vito Cornelius. He was just just devout, you know. And he has David the the apprentice there, just kind of not in it at all. <laughs> and uh, you know, he's so devout and he's so pure of heart, and he plays the character so straight. But he is absolutely hilarious. Cornelius, Cornelius, you know, he's uh, he's he's one of my favorites in this movie of probably. Many of the characters are favorites. All right, guys, I've got I've got a favor to ask. I've got two best quotes I can't decide between. Can I go last <laughs> on best quote? <laughs> <laughs> go for it. All right, Sammy, what's your uh, best quote? I'm going to start out. Um, so one of the quotes that really sticks with me is, you know, this follows this discuss the discussion between Dallas and Lilu about human nature, and you know, she says, "What's the use of saving life?" when you see what you do with it, you know, and and she, like you said, is this vulnerable character and all she's seeing is the violence. And, you know, why do you, everything you create is created to be for destruction. You know, and I just thought that was such a poignant line um, that, that comes out of this movie. So that was my best quote. It was so poignant, I almost felt out of place in a movie this silly. Yeah, it, it did. And, and I think that's what struck me, is yeah. that line really stood out. Right. Dwayne, what you got, man? Okay. Well, we, may, we may need to hit the bleep button for a brief second. For my, it's, not a, it's not a horrible a horrible curse, but, uh, but uh, I love when the president is, is walking back and they said, and Mr. President, it's it's absorbing all of our communication satellites. And he just looks and says, why the hell is it eating all the satellites? It's <laughs> 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 just like, what? <laughs> that movie, that quote, I hit the floor every time. There are so many great, great quotes in this movie. I could, you know, you could just push play and, and that's the best quote. Yeah. But that one always, always gets me. Why is it eating all the satellites? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm going to go. I've got two. I've got one silly one and one meaningful. One. I'm going to go silly. Dwayne inspired me. Uh, so when the cops come to his door, to Corbin Dallas's door, and they ask him, are you classified as human? I love his response. <laughs> Negative. I am a meat popsicle. <laughs> yes. that, that was on my list. Me. <laughs> That was on my list. Yeah, that's the one that gets me every time. All right, so uh, yeah. our next award and our first one of our episode-specific ones is the biggest laugh because this is a funny movie. It is. Um, and my my favorite moment is that very first meeting with Ruby Rod when they're walking down the hallway, and it's not like any single quote. It's just that whole interaction and how Bruce Willis is Corbin Dallas doesn't want to be there. And, <laughs> And just and and Ruby, Ruby Yard is trying to get something out of him. Just say something. Give me more than a one word answer. I just I love that whole scene. I laugh and, so. Hard. You know, Bruce Willis plays such the straight man in that. To uh, you know, Chris Tucker's over the top, and, and it's just like bah, 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 boom, bah, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah, he brings it down like an anchor. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just so funny. You could just feel the energy flip, and then Ruby Rod's trying to get it back going again. <laughs> All right, Dwayne, what do you got, man? Uh, the biggest laugh is, um, oh my goodness, uh, 
really any any ruby rod interaction there but uh, <laughs> as far as not being a ruby rod interaction my biggest laugh is when he just is interacting with the officers and they're like you know telling him why he is the guy for this mission and he's like of, of all the people in his unit he's the only one you know expert in all the weapons all the vehicles and the only one still alive and then when <laughs> Lily rings the doorbell he whacks the guy on the head and shoves him in the fridge so just that you know just the interaction with the with the officers there I, it's one of the biggest times I laugh in there you know and, and uh, he's going to go pose with major iceborgs as his wife and you know, she's got the big huge princess leia buns and when she nods her head you know when she kind of nods in sort of a salute <laughs> yeah you know just, just good. that is so hilarious oh yeah all right so for my biggest laugh you know jamie you said you had a couple different quotes for best quote well i did also and i decided to switch one of mine to best laugh is when uh, Corbin and Lilu are talking in the cab and they're going through all this and she's shouting all, all of the, the, the language and he's like, hey, hey, I only speak two languages, English and bad English. <laughs> <laughs> Cracked me up. So that's, that's probably I, my biggest laugh. And I like the very next line he says too. So say, I'm off for conversation. Could you please just shut up for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Under, un, understand better boom. Understand better boom. <laughs> big bada boom. Big bada boom. Bada big boom. <laughs> Sammy, right, so, Sammy, on this next word, could you please act like you have more than a two-word vocabulary? <laughs> <laughs> and what is okay. the best science fiction element of this science fiction movie? All right. So for me uh, – it was the nuclear lab reactor that could remake people from DNA. I thought that was just a cool kind of science fiction aspect to throw into this. Um, I just thought it was neat. So that was more I, than one was, word, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was a, that really warmed my heart because it looked straight out of Dune. I mean, yeah. they look like those engineers from Dune. The whole, the whole <laughs> setup, the way they're dressed, look like a scene from Dune. Um, and this scientist was hilarious, wasn't he? Really <laughs> was. And my my wife loved the way he said the word "perfect." He was the only, he kept saying "perfect", perfect. the whole time, and she was like, "Why does he keep saying that?" Um, but my 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 best sci-fi element though is the design of the Man, Man, Mondo Shawins, the turtle aliens. Um, <laughs> No, they lumber funny, but that, I mean, those weren't CGI. Those were really yeah. designed. Those were on set, and you could tell they felt real. They felt like they had weight and were in the same scenes as the other characters. And I just, I love the design, the way they moved. I love, I love the the turtle aliens. I'm not saying the name again. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne, what yeah. was your best sci-fi element? Uh, well, my favorite sci-fi element in this was the um, the elemental aspect of it where you have earth wind water fire and then you have this fifth element you know this other thing that that needs to be there but you know it takes it back you know in sci-fi to creation to something outside of this world creating this world uh it that was very interesting i thought uh to to visit in in a movie like this so, you know with it being so silly you know you you find out what the fifth element is and and, and truly what you find out is the fifth element is love the fifth element is is compassion in here see i see i'm a little bit younger than you guys see i was a child when captain planet was on tv so i was told that the fifth element was heart that's right <laughs> so he's got to bring so pollution down to zero <laughs> well, uh, Dwayne is a music person. You, of course, would like anything with earth, wind, and fire in it. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, man, that's the jams right there. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, of all the elements, of all the things we spoke about, there is one pure thread, one true element to our nerddom here. Jamie, 
where does Keanu fit into the fifth element? Is there a sixth element? <laughs> <laughs> maybe he is the perfect being, though. So maybe, maybe he got recloned. Um, no, uh, there was a writer for this movie who's had a long and strange career. Um, apparently, at some point in the creative process, Luke Besson brought on a um, somebody to help him work on the screenplay. And this guy wrote Taken, uh, co-wrote The Transporter, um, all three, no, I think all five Karate Kid movies he wrote. <laughs> wow. uh, he's also done uh, some producing work. Uh, the Punisher was his. Not not that Punisher. Sorry. <laughs> no, not, not that Punisher either. Uh, yep, the one with Dolph Lundgren. He was the okay. for that Punisher. Yes. <laughs> sorry. Really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and he was the script doctor for The Devil's Advocate, apparently. I mean, it's a, it's, a, okay. it's a quirky little IMDb filmography. Um, but most importantly for our purposes today, he wrote the screenplay. I think a solo credit, too, for a sneaky good, a sneaky favorite of mine, A Walk in the Clouds, starring our beloved Keanu. And that is this week's Keanu Connection. Now, was Keanu also in The Devil's Advocate? He is, but I wanted to mention uh, Walk in the Clouds. Okay. <laughs> and I don't think I'm getting another chance. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen this movie, probably not. So, what's the writer's name again? I didn't say the name, did I? No. Um, I didn't put it in my notes either. Mark <laughs> David, something or other. I forget. Wow. I wrote down all that filmography stuff and forgot the man's name. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Robert Mark Kamen. Robert Mark Kamen. And it's it's such a bizarre filmography. It is worth it's it's entertaining just to look at what's on the list. Robert Kamen. Sounds like a very eclectic list. <laughs> it is. It's wild. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should have stopped the Devil's Advocates. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought for sure we would end up having to go back to Bram Stoker's Dracula again. <laughs> but this is another one of those sort of insular groups. Like all the people that work with Luke Besson work with Luke Besson and almost nobody else. And so a lot, a lot of the actors outside the main cast are Luke Besson staples. A lot of the crew are Luke Besson, you know, they're his crew. And so it was a little tough. Uh, not, not as bad as some of the older star Wars movies, but it was a little tough. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I was looking at his uh, filmography, Luke Besson's there, I was noticing a lot, like you said, a lot of the people go with him from project to project. You know, and of course you had Gary Oldman. And let's not fail to mention that, you know, from, from Bram Stoker's Dracula, but we can only go to that well so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying, so, to, trying to keep that in the back pocket. Don't want to use it every week. <laughs> so Jamie, good work. <laughs> Uh, good work there on, on digging that out. Good work nice. on digging that out. So, you know, I, I, we had kind of a, a, a little pitch there, so we know how Jamie feels about a walk in the clouds. So uh, there's a, a section of the show. I know it's just show, me. Yeah, just <laughs> you. So there is me, a section of the show that we do, uh, you know, try to pitch some things to each other and uh, our audience that we like to call keeping it 100. So we give each other 100 seconds to pitch. Uh, a movie, book, video game, music, something, another that we are um, enjoying here lately. So, uh, and I oh, here's my phone. <laughs> so Jamie's uh, Jamie's uh, on the ball here. So who wants to go first with a keeping it one hundred? I'll I'll go first. I've got kind of a tie-in a little bit. Okay. Okay. Uh, my my keeping one hundred this week is the comic book series Miss Marvel. Um, and that I, I was racking my brain this week. I'm like, I hadn't really watched. I've been kind of busy. Haven't watched a lot of movies. Haven't watched anything really but Fifth Element. Uh, not a lot of time for anything else. But I was thinking, okay, the, the thing about Lilu that's so great is that she's this combination of strength and vulnerability. And I was thinking, okay, what kind of ties into that? And I thought of Miss Marvel, who's this you know, vulnerable teenage girl, sort of figuring it away through a, just the world itself is confusing to her. Then she gets all these powers on top of it. And it's just her, it's her story through it all. And there's a, it's got a similar sense of humor. Like as serious as some of the events of her life are, it's a really silly series. And, um, and the new series is written by one of my, one of my new favorite writers, Saladin Ahmed. I'm sure I said that name wrong, but, uh, but Miss Marvel is just, it's just such a fun series. And it kind of has a little bit of a connection to the fifth element and the role of Miss Marvel versus Lilu. So that's my Good. keeping at 100 this week. 
You know, that's a really very good pitch. I've heard a lot of good about the the that series, Miss Marvel. Heard, heard a yeah. lot of good things about that. You know, uh, Kamala Khan is is such an interesting character. I think you know, and she, you know, is this very genuine character. I've not read a lot of the stories, but I've seen her in a couple kind of pieces of animation where they've maybe teamed her up with Spider Man or something to that effect, and um, she just always comes across with such heart. So I'm, I'm interested in checking out that series, actually, Jamie. It's really good. And they just changed writers recently because Jill Willow Wilson wrote, like, I think almost 100 issues of the first run. And they changed it. I was so I was so nervous. But when they <laughs> announced it was salad on bed, I was comfortable. It's but it, all the way through, no matter who's writing it, it's a good series. Cool. And, uh, and Sammy, or Jamie, I mean, I've, I learned how to pronounce the name uh, that you're referring to there from the movie uh, – no, Kingdom of Heaven, and it's Saladin. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie, Kingdom of Heaven. So, but go ahead, uh, carry on, please. All right, uh, who's ready? I, I'll have a timer ready. Who wants to go next? Okay, Sam right. shaking his head. So, I, go for it. Okay, um, I uh, want to pitch a YouTube channel. A YouTuber here. I'm not a huge fan of YouTube. My kids wear it out uh, between YouTube and uh, Amazon Prime with some of these uh, gaming videos. But Frog Leap Studios um, on there. It's a musician by the name of Leo Morricoli. He is kind of, uh, I think, Norwegian-Danish, kind of that... uh, Western European exoticness. If you like metal covers of classic songs, he is the go-to guy. I love his cover of Africa better than Weezer's. Um, he covers money for Watch it. covers. <laughs> you know, like I said, he covers money for nothing. He covers Africa. He covers Sultans of Swing. So much stuff. I'm not a big fan of the you know kind of metal vocals. He does that from time to time, but he's such a fun character. And if you're watching him hitting his videos, he has so much fun doing it. Uh, but Frog Leap Studios or uh, is a ton of fun on YouTube. So if you ever want to go down a deep hole, check them out. Frog Leap right. Studios. All right. I, other than the Weezer shade you threw there, I, I'm 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 intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's a ton of fun, and uh, one of my favorites uh, covers that he does is uh, Sultans of Swing, and he brings in another YouTube sensation. Uh, her name is Mary Spender, and she's uh, this uh, British uh, singer songwriter. Uh, plays fingerstyle guitar very uh, amazingly, and uh, she comes in. She plays this. Uh, I call it a get banjo, but it's a six string guitar uh, on a, on a banjo body. And he says, "Hey Mary, show me that riff." And she breaks into Sultans of Swing. And the next thing you know, it's dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's so much fun. So Sammy, what do you have for keeping one hundred? All right. So for my keeping one hundred. Doctor Who is back, baby. <laughs> Series 12 is back. And Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall and the whole fam are bringing it to the table. Um, the showrunner, Chibnall, has probably listened to all of the shade that's been thrown over Series 11, and they have come back with a vengeance. At this point, I've watched the first part of the two-part opener. When this episode released, the second part will have released. It is just fantastic. The title is Spyfall. So they're playing all these James Bond tropes into Doctor Who. Uh, Even Stephen Fry is C, who's the head of MI6. Uh, So they're doing all this kind of stuff. There's the excitement. There is this, I mean, it's just, it's really been awesome. So uh, if you are into Doctor Who, if you've never checked out Doctor Who, Series 12 is alive and kicking, and it is great. So uh, there you go. (laughs) They should hire you to do that. Like, like 30 second, like, fan freakouts for Doctor Who. (laughs) That was some high level enthusiasm there, bro. I I had to be real careful. I was afraid I was going to go, oh, my Kevin Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor Who is back, baby. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I'm ashamed to admit I haven't seen any of the new Doctor. Uh, they they took it off of Amazon Prime, and I oh, they, have they pulled it off Amazon Prime now? Uh-oh. I thought it was off Amazon Prime. Uh oh, series eleven may be on there now, and now it's oh. eventually going to get pulled over to HBO Max. Oh no! Uh, I thought it was already gone. Uh, over the Christmas holiday, I watched some of the Christmas specials on there. So all of it was still on Amazon Prime, Ooh, and Eleven's on there. That. So check yeah. out Series Eleven if you get a chance. We'll see. I'll me, being, I thought it was uh, gone already. Uh oh. See, me being a person not ashamed to admit that I've never seen any Doctor Who, <laughs> <laughs> and we have some Doctor Who on the schedule, which we're going to rectify for this year. <laughs> so uh, you guys are uh, are. Uh, or uh, hammering that in there, but I'm, I'm proud to say I'm proud to say that our next quest is a classic. Our next quest is a a, a true classic of literature. Sir Arthur, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes. Uh, you know we're going to venture into this character into this story. Not really. We're going with the two thousand nine Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, we're going into the 2009 movie with Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. So you have Vision and Iron Man in uh, 19th century 19th century England there uh, on Baker Street, uh, solving a mystery. So uh, to get into Sherlock Holmes, guys, how are we going to do that? Going to keep it nerdy. 